Hello, welcome to the Haverford Life Podcast. This is your host, Logan Chin. It's the third episode, and uh, I had the privilege to sit down and have a discussion with Dean Katrina Glanzer, who, uh, as many of you know, is the uh, dean for first-year students. I'm going to keep the intro very brief. Um, the conversation, frankly, was so touching, and uh, I, I think it, you know, I think we should just delve right into it in all honesty. But uh, before we do, I just want to touch on some upcoming episodes that I have along the way. I had a nice conversation with Dean Teresa Ten Swan. I also recorded a episode with Brian Levine, who manages the Coop in the Library Cafe. And if you work at the Coop in the Library Cafe, you uh, definitely are familiar with him. Uh, we almost we see him basically every day. I also talked to Rashawn, who uh, many of us know from uh, the stir fry station at the DC. <laughs> and um, that was a really wonderful discussion. And uh, that's all along the way within the next week or so. Um, but yeah, uh, without further ado, here is Katrina Glanzer. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down and having a chat with me. I really appreciate it. Um, My pleasure to be here, Logan. Yeah, of course. Um, I just wanted to start off uh, with um, your time at Haverford because you're a Haverford alum. Uh, you got a bachelor's in religion and religious studies. So can you just tell me anything about anything notable about your experience? At Haverford. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's or just like, would you? Did you enjoy your time in general? I, d- I did enjoy my time here. I feel like it was a very complex time of life for me, right. so it's hard to separate that out from Haverford. But I, Haverford is a place that felt like home when I was doing college visits, and that really did mm-hmm. ring true. Um, I was one of the the unicorns of Haverford who actually spent their senior year off campus so really? I lived in the city for my senior year wow. so um, you, were, you were the you were the two percent I was the two percent <laughs> which might have even been a smaller percentage <laughs> at the time um which I it's hard for me to think back to that time without thinking about some of those um experiences that were different than than what a lot a lot of my peers were experiencing I also took a leave for half my junior year right. so um it was a seven semester experience in total but mm-hmm. but a good one overall right and would you uh are there any like glaring differences in culture or I mean aside from like now we have a new library but is, is there any big difference from uh, well Gummery is exactly the same right right um it's interesting, actually. I mean, it's a far more diverse student body than when I was here, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that change has happened even more rec- even more recently than when I left. Um, socioeconomically, racially, right. um, it's far more global mm-hmm. um, than when I was a student, and yet there is something. As much as I ha- resist. The use of Haverfordian to describe one particular thing. Yeah, yeah, there is something yeah. Haverfordian about <laughs> a sense of what I would describe as kind of like process-oriented, empathic, 
um, attuned to the experiences both of oneself and those around you that feels still very consistent right. among students now um, okay. and, and what I remember from from my peers at that time, um, which has been really exciting to come back into right. a place where I feel like just kind of resonant with, with how people approach life, recognizing that there's huge variations within that. Um, right. But it's it's amazing how similar that does still feel. Um, yeah, that's 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 very good to hear. I think um, I'm from uh, I come from New York City, and the baseline for most people is, is that not everyone's nice. You know, you kind of have to figure out people are, are nice first, <laughs> or people have integrity first, and then if they do, if it's evident that they do, you can like it's fine. But um, yeah, it's something that was very apparent to me when I first came here is that everybody is very very kind. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. that's that's great that uh, that was always the case. Um, did you go to so when you uh, attended Haverford? How did you think about career much? I did not think about career at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. I actually thought I was going to be a pastor. Wow. Um, so I grew up um, I grew up Mennonite in a very small rural community mm-hmm. um, in. Virginia, Western Virginia, not West Virginia. I have Western. to specify that um, <laughs> because people there would really care if you specified that. Um, and my dad is actually um, a professor at a Mennonite university there. Um, okay. So the liberal arts context was not new to me. And I think, and I say that because I think perhaps more, more than others, I had a strong backing from family to kind of come and explore intellectually and no one was asking what was going to happen after that. Um, I also say that because though I chose very intentionally not to go to a Mennonite college, um, that aspect of growing up, of being in a very um, tight religious community, um, the value placed on pacifism, which is similar to Quakers, mm-hmm. um, and the idea that everything we are doing has an impact on the on the people in close proximity to us, but also in the in the broader world. Those were all things that I had carried from my own religious tradition and, right. and upbringing um, into this space, and I think something that um, led me to think about becoming a pastor. It became very quickly apparent both as I came out and was like no longer in that church community um and and as I looked at what it would mean for me in that particular positionality to pursue something pastoral that that was not going to happen for me Mm -hmm. um I think the funny thing is the way that I get to spend time with students now is not is not as radically far away from that original vision as a lot of other things might be. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure the the function of both a pastor and a dean, for especially for first-year students, is very similar in, in some regards. Um, so uh, I guess just transitioning on after uh, you got your bachelor's at Haverford, you majored in religion and religious studies, as I said before. Yeah. Um, you decided to uh, pursue a master's of education. What what spurred that? Because from, from <laughs> thinking about becoming a pastor to mastering education. So it was, there's, there's, a, there's a decade in between those two things, okay. which okay. is probably a helpful part <laughs> of the story. Right. Um, when I graduated, 
I had one of my work study jobs when I was here was working for special collections in mm-hmm. the library, okay. and it was just. I got a lot of wonderful care from my supervisors there, which also included setting me up with a job as a handyman for a couple on the main line. So that's actually what I did after I graduated. Um, And then I applied to a bunch of jobs in Philly, um, somewhat somewhat at random. Um, I knew I liked bookstores. I knew I liked colleges and universities, so that's kind of where the applications went. Um, Bookstores, no go ever. I never got a job at a bookstore. (laughs) Um, But I did get a job working as a coordinator in the Department of Romance Languages at Penn Uh Um, and really saw it as like, you know, something to earn money to figure out what I was going to do um, with the intent of going to graduate school at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did that job for about a year and a half. And then there was a job for, at the time, it was a job in freshman services in the College of Arts and Sciences there. Just kind of applied to it. I wouldn't say on a whim, but not expecting anything to come of it. Um, And ended up getting that job and remaining in that office for 13 years um, through a a set of roles that changed over time. Um, Somewhere around age 30, I thought, okay, I guess if I'm going to go to graduate school, I should probably do that now. (laughs) Um, And looked pretty closely at um, counseling psychology programs, um, but decided I had already put it a good amount of time into education and kind of went in that direction. Um, I, I would say there's some, there's also something Haverford so spoiled me with courses that felt like I could dive in intellectually and Mm -hmm. just be totally there for ideas and discussion. And at that point I realized I needed the credential of a master's (laughs) degree. Even if I wasn't incredibly excited about what was going to be happening in the classroom, And I did make the most of it and had some really great experiences, but I was really a part-time student after having done a lot of the work for a decade right, right. before that. Um, and it was it was valuable to frame it in that way, but um, that's why I laugh when you say uh, making the decision to <laughs> pursue it, a yeah. master's degree in education. It kind of emerged rather than any decision being, yeah. being made actively. Uh, yeah, that's interesting because, I don't know, I... I like know a lot of students are very. There are some students who have a very specific plan of what they want to do, mm-hmm. and whether whether they'll even adhere to that plan ten years from now is another thing. But some kids have, uh, you know, plans. A lot of kids don't. So I think it, it is comforting to hear that uh, at first it was scattershot, and then you know, kind of things kind of just fell in place. Yes, yeah. I, I think things unfold. Um, it when I started my first day here as a student. Um, I was certain that I would be a drama therapist, which was incredibly specific right, and based yeah, largely yeah. out of reading some book my senior year of high school and thinking this is this is the thing for me. Um, right. And then realized like the questions I was interested in asking, I was spending a lot more time with in religion courses. I also had Anne McGuire, who's still here. Right, yeah. Actually, most of my faculty are still here. Um, <laughs> and she was just really encouraging of... Mm-hmm of me taking more courses in the department. I took an Images of Jesus course with her my first year and and very supportive personally and things unfolded from yeah. there. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's really great. Um, I guess when you were at uh, 
UPenn as an undergraduate coordinator. What did your What did your job consist of? That I, first job? Yeah, the first job. It, it consisted of reporting to six supervisors. Okay, okay. Which was an amazing preparation for pretty much every other supervisory relationship <laughs> I've ever been in. Right. Um, so it was everything from like drafting proposals for new study abroad programs to entering graduation requirements like in an electronic audit system to giving people placement tests okay to talking through like what course they were going to take it was Mm -hmm. primarily administrative um it like i said it, it was a good first job because i think just managing the interpersonal aspects of working Mm -hmm. was more of the transition than learning the actual tasks of the job. Yeah, Yeah, like, I think, I'm sure, like, I, I, a lot of students, I mean, I don't don't know what it's like to work in an institution or in a company or anything where there's, there's, like, you kind of have to deal with politics, you kind of have to, you just have to find your way through the whole yeah. I don't know, just like the machine. Um, that's how I like to think <laughs> Well, of it. not feeling like you're in a machine. Right, right. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, that would be preferred. <laughs> and so, so I'm assuming when you, uh, when you became the assistant director of advising services and academic support, uh, you were given a lot more autonomy. Right. Or it was, it was more of a supervisory role. Um, there was more autonomy. It was a really team based role, mm-hmm. which um, which was exciting. I, I was part of building a case management team, which basically means um, we worked closely with students who were taking time off from college, returning from from time away, managing all the ways in which um health, mental health, family relationships, finances, right. et cetera, were impacting how they experienced uh-huh. um, college. So it was exciting because there were students, um, because not because not everyone goes through in four straight years, right. um, despite our cultural conception of this and despite the fact that that describes the min- minority of... Um, U.S. higher education yeah, experience these that's days. That's true, yeah. Um, I, you know, there were students I worked with for seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the depth of those relationships yeah. was wonderful. The team, why, when I said it was more of a team situation, I had a number of other colleagues in similar roles. So there was a good deal of bouncing ideas off, thinking through like, what are the structures that would make someone's progression through this um, easier or more enjoyable or richer? Um, it, it was a nice balance between a lot of individual time with students and then thinking a little bit more structurally. Right, and I'm sure, um, I guess, working with all different types of students, you, you learn a lot about people. I'm sure, right? You just yeah, that's, you, that's yeah. the utter privilege and joy of this. It's right. just when people allow you to be alongside them as they sort through what matters to them and what's challenging for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially exciting now, having been kind of having been doing this for almost two decades to get those emails from the student who like you know exactly what getting a degree cost them and I don't mean financially that too but like just cost them personally and how much labor um, and love was put into that 
um, especially when it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. um, and then seeing where people are. 10 yeah. years out and and how much change happens between yeah, yeah. like 18 sure 18 and 22 but then like 22 and 30 it's it's just it's such a gift to be able to be be any part of that in someone's right. life yeah that's wonderful and i guess are there any like common things that change is it like Maybe they're, they're able to navigate life more confidently. They're more confident in themselves. Or is it... Yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean... I think they've figured out how to make... It's not that life has become less complex. Mm -hmm. But perhaps developed more capacity to hold that complexity and hold the things that are um, seemingly at odds w with one another or really are at odds with one another. Right. Um, it's a, been my observation, too, like... I found my 20s quite difficult and my 30s were like, oh, everyone around me kind of knows a little bit more what's going <laughs> on. Um, yeah. I feel like I kind of know what I want a little bit more in life. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping like with every decade um, <laughs> that increases. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fascinating. And so now that uh, now that you're here at Haverford, you've come yeah. full circle. Um, I guess, how, how did you come back? Um, I have to credit one individual. So I had a, one of the members of my team um, on the case management team that I was on at Penn actually um, saw the posting and sent it to me. I was mm -hmm. not looking at all. Um, I actually have, I have a six-year-old now. He was like three at the time. I was not, not looking for any major changes. Right, um, right. But I don't. And I think I would still say this, um, certainly at the time, I can't really imagine a job description better written to suit me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both because um, Haverford is a, it's a small community. I like that ability to form intimate relationships with people and mm -hmm. to really sink roots in. Um, clearly, I had my own connection to Haverford. Right. Um, it's also, I, I love the first year. Mm -hmm. There's so much newness yeah. and <laughs> flexibility. I know you're, you're shuddering at the newness. You're in the middle of it still. But, yeah. um, you know, it, th that p potential for rewriting yourself entirely, um, learning what it means to learn the culture of a place, mm -hmm. um, all those first year things that are... Yeah, they're, they're, they're the obvious ones, and then the, just, like, the energetic feel of that. Right, um, yeah. I love that feeling yeah. um, of, of possibility um, and uncertainty. There's less jadedness most of the time yeah, in, yeah, the, in yeah. that year. I mean, jadedness can have its uses, too, <laughs> but um, there's a freshness to it. Um, that so, so I was really excited to work intensively with, with first years. And then... Um, yeah, that's being being on a team of people, being working with a team of people who I think are committed to the same basic mission and forward motion, um, mm -hmm. an approach of really being being companions to students in a in a holistic way. Um, right. That that was very appealing to, and mm -hmm. also you guys are just awesome. The <laughs> students are that. 
I loved my students at Penn too. Like it's right. it's hard for me to spend more than five minutes with someone and not be really excited that I'm spending five five minutes with them. Yeah. Um, so I admit that, but um, there is something about just the thoughtfulness and the space. Um, how would I describe it? I think. I can probably count on like two hands the number of times working at Penn where a student said, oh, even like, what did you do this weekend? Or just a more personal question. I'm asked something along those lines every day here by a student. And it's not that I want to talk about my weekend necessarily. It's just this recognition that, yes, um, you're serving this particular role in my life, but also I rec- I see you as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that you each approach one another in that way, it's makes it a really exciting place. Yeah, to yeah work. for sure. And I think um, what really fosters that is that like how accessible you are. I've heard I've heard so many things where people say, oh, like I have this problem that I think most people would scoff at, or it's just. On the grand scheme of things, it's like pretty trivial. But I reached out to Dean Glanzer, and everything was okay. Oh, and that's think, so nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, and it's a, it's you know it's a benefit to go into a small school like Haverford, where I yeah. can you know reach out to you, you know within and within a month I can we can sit down and have a discussion. Um, so I guess I think this is what I'm really curious about because um, a lot of a big a big like. Uh, goal of the podcast is to not only learn about the lives of the guests but to learn about what what you do on like a on like a granular day-to-day basis like can you just walk me through your day yeah it's i i was thinking you you gave me great pre-questions um i was thinking through this a little bit um and there's no day that looks exactly like one another but most days include somewhere between like five to 10 meetings with individual students. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably some kind of, half the days probably involve some kind of meeting within the Dean's office to talk about like, oh, um, are, we, are we approaching this consistently? Are there different things we should think about? Can we make this process work more smoothly? Right. Um, what do you know about what's happening in the next week that I should be aware of so I can point students towards it, um, that, that kind of thing. Um, and then this year, I've, I've, my role, my title changed a little bit to mm-hmm. include pre-major advising, um, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I love those early advising conversations. Um, also, talking with faculty about, like, um, an advising relationship with a particular student or just thinking through like, what's the kind of information you, what would you want a student to know about your department Mm -hmm. when they're coming in and looking through this candy shop of of courses available (laughs) to them? Like what what does someone need to know who's never encountered this before? Um, So some conversations and some work around like what do we need to do structurally in terms of making advising accessible um, and meaningful and relationally deep for the people who mm-hmm. are doing it and also just having the tools in place so of that course. people can navigate the space. Right. Um, and then I often have like conversations with a couple students about something that someone wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. 
whether it's thinking about a new residential community or kind of problem solving through a interpersonal dynamic yeah, or yeah. thing that's come up or thing they'd like to see change. Um, thinking through how can I be helpful and not necessarily... I don't think it's this is not a place where you bring forward like this is a problem now change it for me right but bring forward something and be helpful in identifying okay what would a strategy look like for going about addressing right. this thing that you care about um let's talk through that and who can i point you towards and what might next steps look like mm -hmm. um what are they like coaching around institutional change right right i mean, um, I mean it's, but it's also not to say that the uh that this institution is not malleable because something I've noticed is that, um, you know, true to the Haverford ethos, uh, if like a number of students voice concerns about something, it will change. Right? It's there's no like, we don't have to go through like the bureaucratic gymnastics to get something changed and then go through all these like layers of hierarchy. It's very, it it, it appears very responsive. Or this is. Or like the ways in which we can change things very responsibly. I think that's true. It's interesting to hear you say that as a first year because I think it can also feel higher education is a notoriously slow yeah. place yeah. Um, in, in a funny way, like not in terms of the flow of ideas, but um, perhaps tradition holds some sway, and and also in a place that's consensus driven, like. Real consensus takes time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it can feel, and you're in the space for four or five years or something, like eight semesters. Right. Spread out <laughs> spread in out some in way. Like. Um, um, so I think it can feel really slow, even when things are moving. But even like, we're going from a totally volunteer custom system to a paid custom system. And I recognize that, like, all of us may have had different ideal versions of what that looked like right, even for this year let alone like what do we ideally envision for next year from two years from now for five years from mm -hmm. now but the fact that it's possible to make change in that period of time is is actually pretty amazing and yeah. that the initial the, the energy and initiation of that arose from students mm -hmm. um so I can, sometimes I feel really worried about the state of like student self-governance, but then I have those moments <laughs> and I'm like, no, this really is it's like, all, it's we, all right. we can, <laughs> things are happening here. So. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember um, the, I think it was the, it was after, it was like a couple months after I got, I knew I was going to Haverford and mm -hmm. I looked up Haverford on Google and there are a couple articles from like actual publications talking about the whole customs thing. Yeah. And I was just saying, like, it was, I like, you know, gave it a good quick glance and how it was all student driven and, you know, there's like a push to get it paid and then lo and behold, you know, eight months later, it's changed. Yeah. Um, so. And I'm sure not to, like, I, we know not to everyone's satisfaction, but that, I think that's the other, this is a community, I think, where things can be something other than perfect. We can all strive towards something better together right. and be at different places and actually still engage with one another right. about that. Right, which for sure. feels really special in this country at this moment in time. So. I, I, I agree with that sentiment, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think that concludes our discussion. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for, for sitting down. Pleasure. I mean, I, I, just, I just wanted to let you know that uh, the way, I don't know, after just talking with you for like, you know, this half an hour, the way that you approach your relationship with students is like, 
don't know, I find it really touching because I think, I think it's like administrative work, like, like being a dean can also conversely be very transactional. Like it can be viewed in a very transactional way. And I'm sure, and I've, I've heard like many stories about kids from other institutions where it is transactional. It's very hard to, uh, it's college, you know, as you said, college is a lot, it's really, really a lot. And so, uh, it's, it's nice to know that like freshmen could reach out to you and, and, you know, things will be okay. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.